Ever wonder about questions that don't seem to have solid answers? Like if God is so good, then why is there so much suffering in the world? Or why should we trust the Bible and who wrote it anyway? Maybe you found the answers, but they didn't fully satisfy you. Well, welcome to Straight From The Bible, where you can find real answers from God's Word. Give us a call if something's on your heart. You can call us right now at 472-1111 or in the CNMI at 323-1113. You can also text or WhatsApp your questions to 671-686-9999. And now, straight from the Bible with Pastor Masih Ideon. Half a day and good evening, everyone. Welcome back to Straight from the Bible. This is Pastor Masik, and I'm here with my wife, Josephine. Good evening. Good evening, and welcome to today's show. We're excited to have you guys on and listen in. Please send in any Bible questions you may have. Amen. And we have Scotty in the booth. And before we do, we always go to the Lord in prayer to understand His Word. Let's pray together. Dear loving Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for your holy book that gives us wisdom, light, hope, and peace. Father, we are not able to understand it unless you be our teacher. Mm -hmm. So we want to claim the promise that the Spirit of Truth will lead us into all truth Amen. this afternoon. We thank you and be with all of our listeners now. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, it is a rainy weather, so those of you on the road, please uh, drive safely as you're listening to Straight from the Bible. And we did have some email questions that, come in, that came in, so we're going to read them off and uh, get some answers from the Bible. And, of course, you can always give us a call or a text, and you can even reach us on our JoyFM uh, Facebook page and leave us a question in the comment section. If you want to say hello, go right ahead. Okay, so let's begin uh, 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 with our first question. All right. Well, I must say today's topic is a really good one. All right. I think a lot of people have many questions, and I'm still actually studying this to know more about it myself. But let's go to the first question where it reads, can people communicate with the dead? Great question. Can people communicate with mm -hmm. the dead? And the, the short answer is no. Mm -hmm. People cannot communicate with the dead. They do try to communicate with the dead. But uh, the Bible says... Uh, very plainly that when a person dies, uh, it's like you're asleep. It's like you know nothing. As we had studied last time, when the breath of life, or the, which is the breath of God, combines with uh, the dust of the earth or the earth, uh, then Adam was formed into a living soul. soul. In other translations, a living being. That's mm -hmm. what really a soul meant, a being. And so when you separate those two, then... Uh, you it's no longer living. You no, you're no longer right. living. You go back to nothing. Mm -hmm. uh, the Bible says uh, your love, your hatred, it's all gone. Uh, but uh, can we communicate with the dead? The answer is no. But let's go to the book of Deuteronomy, uh, chapter 18, and we're going to read one of uh, some Old Testament verses about God forbidding communication with the dead. Deuteronomy chapter 18, uh, 9... Go ahead, you can read it when you get there, please. Sure, Deuteronomy 18, 9 to 12. And it reads, When you come into the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee, you shall not learn to do after the abominations of those nations. There shall not be found among you any one that makes his son or his daughter to pass through the fire or that use divination or an observer of times or an enchanter or a witch or a charmer, or a consulter with familiar spirits, or a wiz wizard, or a necromancer. For all that do these things are an abomination unto the Lord, 
And because of these abominations, the Lord thy God doth drive them out from before thee. Absolutely. So God was very plain and clear mm-hmm. that sorcery, witchcraft, uh, mediums, uh, attempting to, to communicate with um, uh, with the dead was really forbidden by God. Mm-hmm. And I think in the islands, that's commonly known as black magic. Yep, black yes. magic, uh, voodoo, mm-hmm. and uh, yes. And uh, so, yes, it was forbidden by God because really when you try to attempt to communicate with the dead, mm-hmm. uh, there are instances, and you find these instances in the Bible, such as the case of Saul. Mm. He went to a witch mm-hmm. uh, in the book of 1 Samuel. And he went to a witch because the Spirit of God had left him. Yes. And so he thought, well, um, since God won't speak to me, let me go find a witch in order to get some counsel. Right. And so he went ahead and, and he did. And so the witch, you know, did some kind of incantation and called up supposedly Samuel, a figure of a man that was coming mm. up out of the uh, abyss of the deep. Uh, but that was not Samuel. And uh, the problem was when Saul was communicating with him, he thought it was Samuel. Mm-hmm. And so the question then is, who is he communicating right. with? And the answer, of course, is um, it was a demon or a devil or a fallen angel. Really, that's all that there is. So, Impersonate, yes, impersonating yeah, exactly. someone else. It was just a fallen angel impersonating uh, somebody that he knew, mm-hmm. who Samuel was dead at that time already. And so the reason why it's so dangerous is because there are real stories of people that are communicating with the dead and They'll communicate with friends or loved ones, and they look like them. They sound like mm-hmm. them. Uh, and they know all these details. They know all the details, right? exactly. But the Bible says it's not them. Right. Because uh, your loved one uh, is resting in Jesus until the second coming. Mm-hmm. Okay. Shall uh, we move on to the next scripture? Uh, yes, let's go to the book of First to Timothy. support this. Yeah, yeah. First Timothy chapter 4, verse 1. First Timothy chapter 4. Mm-hmm. That's found verse in the one. New Testament. 1 Timothy 4, 1, and it reads, Now the Spirit speaks expressly that in the latter times some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. Okay, so that's just an add-on uh, to support how uh, in the times that we're living in today, mm-hmm. there will be demons and spirits impersonating uh, and, and apparitions and all these things, and um, they'll be speaking falsehood and leading people astray. Uh, that leading people to the wrong direction. Mm. And you know, it's amazing. That's exactly how Satan operates. When the devil came to Eve in the garden, he didn't appear as Satan. He took the form of a snake or he right. possessed a snake. And in order to manipulate uh, Eve into thinking um, that what she was being told to do by him was a good thing. Mm-hmm. And we are in danger of doing that today. So uh, stick to the Bible as closely as we yes. can. That's why we have the show. Yes. Okay. Uh, let's go to our next question. What, what's our next question? Our next question from a listener says, how can we become a living sacrifice and what is a sacrifice? How do we become a living sacrifice and what is a sacrifice? Well, you find that phrase in the book of Romans, and maybe you can read that when you get there. Mm-hmm. Uh, Romans chapter 12, beginning in verse 1, a living sacrifice. Romans chapter 12, beginning in verse 1. All right, Romans 12, 1, it says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Wonderful. And the second question was, and what is a sacrifice? Mm-hmm. Well, let's answer, the second, let's answer the second question first. Mm-hmm. The first time that we see a kind of sacrifice is actually in Genesis, 
and it is right there at the fall of our first mother and father. And in Genesis chapter 3, I believe, uh, Genesis chapter 3, this is where, of course, the serpent beguiles Eve, and she falls, and she gives the fruit to Adam, and he partakes. And so, of course, they've fallen into sin, but then something happens in verse, um, let me see, In verse uh, 7, it says in verse 7, And the eyes of them both were opened, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together mm. and made themselves aprons. Or coverings. Or coverings, yeah, coverings. So they had fallen into sin, and uh, they tried to hide their shame mm. with, with leaves. Now I don't know how, how good leaves are yeah. in, 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 in hiding our, our bodies, but... I don't. I would assume they don't do very well, and so they tried and tried, but of course it just didn't do very well. Mm-hmm. And so then, when you go to verse twenty-one, can you read verse twenty-one? Yes, three twenty-one of Genesis. Unto Adam also, and to his wife, did the Lord make coats of skins and clothed them. Okay, wonderful. So God made coats of skins, mm-hmm. and He clothed Adam and Eve. Now, if it's a coat of skin, that that is the first example we have of a sacrifice. Mm. So and an animal had to have died mm. in order for them to have coats of skins, yes. in order to be covered. Right. And so something was sacrificed in order for their nakedness to be covered. To be covered. Wow, and I never thought of that. Mm-hmm. I, the first example or a, a picture of sacrifice that came to my mind was, was Abel. Yes, exactly. Yeah, this yes. is this is comes even before that. Mm-hmm. Yes, and so like when they were clothed or mm-hmm. covered, it's a covering of the of the shame and yes. nakedness in the Bible. Uh, it represents uh, shame, shame. Yes. and so uh, you have the an animal being sacrificed in order to cover the shame. No, I'll say it like this: you have an innocent animal being mm. sacrificed to cover the shame of a of a guilty person, mm-hmm. and so that sacrifice actually uh, represents uh, Jesus. Yes. And uh, we're going to go back to Genesis, actually. We're going to go to verse 15 again. Uh, verse f- Genesis three fifteen, And can you read that, please? Sure. Genesis three fifteen reads, And I will put enmity between thee and the woman, and between thy seed and her seed. It shall bruise thy head, and thou shalt bruise his heel. Okay, wonderful. So God is now giving them a promise about what he's going to do in order to... Um, uh, to save Adam and Eve. Mm. And he says, um, he, now he's speaking to the, to the enemy. Mm. He says, I will put enmity between thee and the woman, meaning he's going to create a hatred or an opposition between us and sin mm. and, 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 and the enemy, Satan. Because, you know, for us right now, we are drawn naturally to sin. Mm-hmm. We're like a magnet to sin. Uh, but there's something has to come in between us and sin itself. And God is saying, I'm going to create that. And because when they fell into sin, they were now attracted to mm-hmm. it. And then he says, uh, and I will, sorry, and I will put enmity between thee and the woman and between thy seed and her, her seed. seed. And it shall bruise thy head and thou shall bruise his heel. Mm. Who will bruise the head of the serpent or the enemy? It's his the seed. seed. And who is that seed? Well, the New Testament makes it very clear that that seed is Christ. Christ. So uh, you find beautiful. the seed and then you find the sacrifice. So as you then read all throughout the Old Testament and, of course, in Leviticus, uh, when, um, uh, and even, of course, uh, b- b- before and after that, uh, 
you have these burnt offerings and offerings being given up. The offering itself represented uh, Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. It represented his full sacrifice, his atonement for you and for me. The animal itself could not cleanse you. Mm -hmm. It was who the animal represented. The symbolism. Yeah, the symbolism of it. So when you put your faith into uh, the symbol of the animal, Mm -hmm. which is Jesus, then you by faith are forgiven and cleansed. And And that's why for us, um, uh, the cross was where that full sacrifice was given. And for us, we look back to the cross to be saved. Mm -hmm. And for the people in the Old Testament, they look look forward to the cross to be saved. So what is a sacrifice then? A sacrifice uh, had to have some qualifications in the Bible. If you were going to offer up an animal as a sacrifice, one one uh, um, criteria is it had to be uh, perfect. It had to be a perfect, mm-hmm. unblemished uh, creature, uh, not just uh, lame. Not just or, any, right? Yeah, it had to be perfect. And so that also represented Jesus. When Jesus uh, offered up himself at the cross, he offered up a perfect sacrifice, meaning he lived his whole life perfect before his heavenly mm-hmm. father and perfect before man. And then when he offered up his sacrifice, his own life, then he takes that perfection and like Adam and Eve being given a brand new coat of skin to cover their shame uh, because of an, an innocent person or innocent animal mm-hmm. sacrifice, likewise Jesus, who is the Lamb of God that taketh away the sins of the world when he was sacrificed at Calvary, he then coats us or covers mm-hmm. us with his righteousness. Mm. So the righteousness or we, of Jesus covers our shame, just like the, the symbolic sacrifice that happened in Genesis mm. chapter 3 of the animal that was sacrificed in order to cover the shame and nakedness Amen. of Adam and Eve. That is beautiful. So then now, that's what a sacrifice is in brief, in mm-hmm. brief. So now what is a living sacrifice? Well, when you sacrifice something, you usually uh, either it. you kill it or you just completely uh, set it apart for a completely different use. Mm. Uh, Samuel was a, a living sacrifice because he was set apart in order to, uh, because he belonged to God. Mm. He was uh, Hannah's answered right. prayer. prayer. And she said that he, uh, if, he, if, he, if she were to be blessed with a baby, then it would be God's. And mm. sure enough, he spent all the days of his life uh, living for God, even mm. as a young boy. And he was uh, a living sacrifice. So he kept his life holy before God, and he served God, and that's how he worshiped God. But also a sacrifice is something, of course, that you kill. Mm. And it is the same thing with us. When we offer up ourselves to God as a living sacrifice, we are then, we then die to the world. And die to self. We die to self, absolutely. All of our desires, our Mm -hmm. wants, if it was always me, 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 now it's it's God, 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 and mm-hmm. them, 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 as you had said yes. uh, earlier. It is no longer about you, and it becomes a daily sacrifice. Yes. And this is the reason why Paul says, I die daily. Mm-hmm. And so it, it was a dying to self. It was a dying to the world. And we would call that today, of course, conversion. Yes. And um, for him to be a living sacrifice was to as the Bible says, uh, put off the old man mm-hmm. to die to the world and then resurrect to new life uh, every single day, mm-hmm. every single time. And so um, being a living sacrifice, how do you be a living sacrifice? 
uh, dear friend, you die daily. Mm. You give your heart to God every single day. Mm-hmm. First thing in the morning, say, Lord, I dedicate and I consecrate my yes. life to your service. And then you read his words and then you share his words mm-hmm. and then you spend time in prayer. And you, you you're basically do his bidding. Absolutely, and yeah. That that really should be the prayer of our hearts, if that is truly what we seek. Absolutely, to be a living sacrifice. It's no longer about us; it's about Lord. What would you like me to do? Absolutely, for you. Absolutely, and not that God needs us; mm-hmm. He really, absolutely does not. But He wants us to be co-laborers or to help Him in the work um, that He's called us to do. Absolutely, yeah. and you know it's amazing what you just said. Why would we even bother wanting to be a living sacrifice? Mm. And the answer goes back to to the Garden of uh, of Eden. Adam and Eve understood, and, I, and I, you know, I, I would imagine when they would when they killed the animal mm-hmm. that it was Adam and Eve who killed it, because um, as you look at the sa- sacrificial system, it had to be the sinner who killed the animal, and so that was the first time Adam had ever seen um, death, death, yeah. and it would be at his hand. Mm. And can you imagine him? Uh, whether it was a knife or whatever it may be, taking the life mm. of that animal, seeing death for the first time, and knowing that it was his fault. Mm. But not only that, but it was, it was, it was killing that innocent creature, understanding yeah. that it would be the Son of God, His own Maker, whose life uh, would would die mm. for His own sin. Yes. So He saw that He understood what He was doing. And he he thought it was for me. Mm. I could be saved again because my my sa- my my maker is dying for me. Yes. And so, when you understand that somebody has given up a sacrifice and given up so much for you, how can you not want to love them back? Yes. How can you not want to say, "I'll I'll do whatever you mm. want. I'll live for you. I'll do anything for you." And that was Adam's yes. situation and Adam and Eve's. So yes, to be a living sacrifice uh, is to uh, die to self, die to the world, to read the Bible, share your faith, and pray, and and uh, and live for God every single day, mm. and uh, be set apart for a holy use and a holy purpose, and that's what it means to be a living sacrifice. And it's kind of unusual because you're a sacrifice, but you're living. Mm-hmm. How are you a living <laughs> sacrifice? We've killed you, but you're alive. Right. And and that's that's the secret. As you die to the world. You are actually um, living for the Lord. Living for the Lord. Yes. Amen. Amen. That's beautiful. Mm-hmm. Okay, what's our next question? We have our a few minutes until our break. But I think we can answer uh, one or two more. All right. I, I, I love the next question. Please explain Ezekiel 36, 26. Oh, wonderful. And yes. what does it mean? You do love this one. And let's go ahead and go there. And you can read it. And then you can tell us why is it that you love it so much. All right. Yeah, this is actually one of my favorite, favorite verses. Um, Ezekiel thirty six twenty six. It says, A new heart also will I give you, and a new spirit will I put within you. And I will take away the stony heart out of your flesh, and I will give you a heart of mm. flesh. Yeah, please t- tell us, <laughs> why is that so special to you? Ezekiel thirty six twenty six. Mm-hmm. you know, I, there is a song that goes, Change My Heart of God. Mm-hmm. And whenever I think of the song, this verse comes to my mind. And, you know, it really is my prayer every single day. I want to grow. I want to be who you want me to be. But, Lord, I know that I have some flaws. I have Mm -hmm. some defects. 
And so just as the song goes, you are the potter, I am the clay. But I also picture a sculptor. And I mm. think in one of your sermons, you shared Michelangelo and mm -hmm. the story. Um, and so sometimes it's painful how God wishes to shape us and, and change us from, I'm going to use myself as an example, someone who may be angry and bitter and cold and change you completely mm -hmm. Where if people see you, they're like, they're, they're, how, how did this come about when yeah. she came from this to this or anybody else for that yeah. matter? And so God is giving us this promise here. If you are willing, you know, I will give you a new heart Amen. and I will change you into, you know, somebody that you never would have expected. And so I claim this promise a lot of times because I know from, you know, from in my own life, there are things that I want to change about myself. Mm -hmm. And it hurts. God allows us to go through experiences to refine our character. Mm -hmm. And he's doing that. And I picture him just chiseling away yeah. at the flaws in my own character and in my own life. And so it, it holds a special place in my heart. So I really appreciate this question. I was actually really excited Amen. when I saw this question. I said, Amen. all right, we get to discuss this one today. Amen. So thank you to whoever, whoever phoned that in. Absolutely. It's, it is one of those, mo those beautiful promises in the Bible. And I like it because it's poetic. Mm, and you are a very poetic person. <laughs> by God's grace. And I love the Bible. It has a lot of beautiful divine poetry. And this one, and I love it because it's not only poetic, but it's real. Mm. And God says, a new heart also will I give you, and a new spirit will I put within you. Mm -hmm. And I will take away the stony heart out of your flesh, and I will give you a heart of flesh. And so... And, you know, just kind of the background of, of this, um, mm. of, of that text, you know, the Israelites, they were not always very faithful. They had done things that um, uh, displeased God and mm. that were wrong. And God, like a loving father, sometimes has to, had to chasten them. Mm. So he would have to allow other nations to come and conquer them or uh, punish them. And that was his way of trying to get them back on track mm -hmm. you know uh you know you know you you know i've had to spank my uh, my older daughter and it was it's not it's not an easy thing no it's 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 i think you've heard the expression it hurts me more than it hurts you mm -hmm. and uh i know it definitely hurt me it, it, it hurt <laughs> it us as parents <laughs> it was painful but i knew that you know the the only way that um we could lead them to know what is right and wrong and not make the worst decisions was for, for that to have to mm. finally happen. Uh, of course, tried everything else, and then that had to be mm -hmm. the last resort. Right. But it was out of a place of love. Mm. And so in this, you know, this set of passages, uh, God is promising them that, yes, you're going to be punished, and you're going you're gonna to have to suffer the consequences mm -hmm. for what you have done. And but his promises, but... I'm going to set upon a revival mm. and a renewal in your life and that you don't have to worry that it will be okay. Turn to me completely and I will make everything well. Mm. And God uses the beautiful illustration of us having a heart of stone. Mm -hmm. You know, a heart of stone, there's no blood circulation and there can't keep anybody mm. alive. And likewise, apart from God, we have no life. We have no spiritual circulation. Mm. We have nothing and we have no hope. And yet he says, what is impossible, I will be able to make possible. Mm. 
And he says, I'm going to change you from the inside out Mm. because it is impossible for you to change. Oh, yes. Uh, You know, Jeremiah 13, 23 says, can the leopard change a a spots? And and the answer is no. And then it says, can you then do good that are accustomed to do evil? Evil. The answer is you can't. So then the answer is, well, how how am I going to be saved? Like Paul says, wretched man that I am, who Mm. shall save me from this body of death? And, and God says, I can. Yes. And so then he gives us uh, a heart of flesh. Mm. So he takes away the old life, the old desires. And I'm so glad God does that. Amen. He takes away our sins. Amen. He takes away our shame. He takes away our, our bad habits. He takes away our, our sinful desires. He takes away our bad tempers. Mm. He takes away everything that we realize we can't take away ourselves. on ourselves. Yes. Exactly. And God is able to do that for us. So, yeah, it's a beautiful promise. I love it because it's, uh, <laughs> it just reminds me that what we cannot do for ourselves, God yes. is able to do. And I believe it's in 1 Corinthians or 2 Corinthians. Is that I am crucified with Christ? Yeah, I am crucified with Christ. There's mm-hmm. another one I'm thinking of. Um, I believe it says that, um, uh, you know, we become a, a new creation. Mm. And I believe in all of Romans chapter 12. Let's, let's go to Romans chapter 12. I believe it's in Romans chapter 12. Let me look at there. It's another one. And I'm going to l- share with you something incredible that I really love. I believe it's Romans chapter 12. Yes. Romans chapter 12, verse 2. Could you read verse 2? Yes. Romans 12, 2 reads, And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Amen. Now, if you look at Romans chapter 12, that word there, transformed, Mm -hmm. it says, be ye transformed Mm -hmm. by the renewing of your mind. Now, the word transformed there in in the Greek is the word metamorpho. Mm. Metamorpho. Now, you you can kind of guess what what biology word we get from metamorpho. (laughs) Butterflies. Exactly. And so metamorpho uh, is, we get the, the English word today, metamorphosis. Mm. And that is the, the changing of, of a thing to another thing, uh, describing how a butterfly goes from a caterpillar uh, to a butterfly. Sorry, it begins as a caterpillar and it becomes a, a butterfly. butterfly. So it changed from one thing to, to another. And so that change is the same description of change that God wants to do with us. Amen. He's able to take you from a caterpillar into a butterfly, mm. from somebody simply crawling along the, the world until you're soaring in the internal heights above. Amen. And God has promised that he's able to do that. And so that's a beautiful promise. I believe it's 2 Corinthians 5.17 where he says that he will make us into a new uh, creation. All things have been made new. All right, well, that's the sound of our halftime break, and we're having a wonderful time studying the yes, Bible. Absolutely. And we thank you for joining us. Please send us, send us in a question or call us in, and we'll love to hear from you. And we'll see you right back on Straight from the Bible. This is Pastor Dave with another step to Christ. Jesus did not hold back one word of truth. 
but he always spoke it in love. In his interactions with people, he exercised the greatest tact and thoughtful kind attention. He was never rude and never needlessly spoke a severe word. When he exposed hypocrisy, unbelief, and iniquity, tears were in his voice. He wept over Jerusalem, the city he loved. They had rejected him, the Savior, yet he looked on them with tender pity. Every soul was precious in his eyes. While he always carried himself with divine dignity, he always bowed in love to every member of the family of God. When he looked at us, he saw sinners whom it was his mission to save. To receive your free copy of the book Steps to Christ, call us here at Life Talk at 1 800 775 4673. Welcome back to the second half of Straight from the Bible. Call right now with your Bible question in Guam, it's 472 1111. In the Cinema, it's 323 1113. You can email your questions anytime to Bible at joyfmradio.net, submit them online at joyfmradio.net, or message us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash joyfmradio. Join us now for the second half of Straight from the Bible. All right, welcome back to Straight from the Bible. This is Pastor Masik. I'm here with my wife, Josephine. Hi. Hello. All right. And so let's go ahead and go back to the study of the Word. And uh, before we do that, let's pray once more and ask God to, to please continue leading us. Oh, loving Father, we want to pause to remember that finite human minds and brains are, are unable to understand mm-hmm. what you long for us to understand. But Father, you have given us a book in a language that um, we can understand, but can only understand it if your Spirit makes it clear. So please be our teacher today, Father, is our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. We did have some uh, people who called in with a question, and... Uh, uh, the question is in Matthew chapter 6, verse 20. And it says in Matthew six twenty, it says, But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, uh, where moths and vermin do not destroy, and where thieves do not break in and steal. Mm. How do you store up treasures in heaven? Well, that is a great question. Mm-hmm. How do you store up treasures in heaven? As Jesus was right here, uh, this is called the Sermon on the Mount, and... Uh, as Christ was uh, this particular part, uh, encouraging people to really not worry about the things of this life, mm-hmm. uh, but really, as as he said, to seek first the kingdom of God mm-hmm. and His righteousness. So, how do you lay up treasures in heaven, and where where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt, and where thieves do not break through nor steal? Mm-hmm. Verse twenty one: For where your treasure is, there will your heart be yes. also. Well, first of all. Um, we don't physically lay up anything taking us, uh, taking with us to heaven. Uh, you know, our money, our things, our houses, our homes, anything else, uh, we don't take with us. So how do you then store up, uh, treasures in heaven? Well, there are a few things that, well, it says in verse 21, where your treasure is, there your will heart. your heart be also. So the question is, what is it that you treasure the most? Mm. Uh, what is it that means the most to you? Um, f- family, children, your job. Uh, well, th- that means the yeah your, your job. Oh, that means the most. Yeah, to that you. means the most to you at least eternally. Mm. Oh, okay. 
And so, of course, when you, uh, you know, we had a preacher last night, um, Dr. David Shin, ask an incredible question. And if you had five minutes left mm. t- to live, um, what would you do? You know, would you play video games? Would you watch a movie? And uh, you know, the reality is you would pray or you would uh, call your loved ones, call your parents and just tell them you love them. Mm-hmm. And so it's amazing, uh, as he was sharing last night, that uh, the most important things to you um, that you realize are the most important when you only have about five minutes mm-hmm. to live, the, two, the most important things, we live throughout our lives as if they're not the most important. Mm-hmm. And so what Jesus is trying to say is the things that may seem the most important to you right now and it seemed the most important to everybody else, um, when you put it in the right perspective, if you've got five minutes to live, they may not be the most mm-hmm. important thing. So what then is the most important thing? What treasure do you want to lay up in heaven? Well, very simple. Uh, one is you want to be there. Mm-hmm. You want to be there in the kingdom. And so why do you want to be there? You want to be there to see God. You want to be there to see to see your loved ones. And of course, another treasure is your your very own family. Mm-hmm. You want your family to be there as well. And so, the treasures of the world, the sorry, the treasures that we're storing up and laying up are not necessarily physical, in the sense that it's it's dollars or gold mm-hmm. or jewels. Uh, it's actually far more than that. It's one, you know, it's our loved ones. It's being able to be with God Himself. It's the blessing of eternity. Wherever we put our heart the most. Uh, that is our treasure. Mm. And so uh, Christ is is um, admonishing them uh, to look, to keep their eyes on the most important thing. And that was, of course, heavenly things. Mm. So what is the treasure of your heart? And what is the most treasured thing of your heart? Mm. And of course, if that's your loved ones, if that's your um, your friends, of course, people you care about, then the good news is that these are the very things that you can take to heaven with mm. you, that can be there with you. Uh, nothing else here mm. in this life, uh, but that which matters most to you, which of mm. course is your family. So, uh, of course, it's your family. It's people that you witness and lead to Christ, people that you love. And um, that's how you really uh, store up treasures in heaven. Mm. And, of course, you have other things, of course, like um, giving up your offerings and tithes for the work of God in order to win souls and to help people come to Christ. In that way, you're storing up treasures in heaven. And uh, the greatest treasure really is, uh, is us. Mm. And, um, and Jesus actually himself says that we are to be jewels in his diadem. Mm. Uh, we're his jewels, we're his treasures. And so uh, that's where he wants us to be. So how do you store up your treasure in heaven? Um, love God with all your heart, soul, strength, mind, and, and love your neighbor mm. as yourself with just as much um, as, uh, as much as you would love God. Okay, we do have a next question that came in, and the question is, uh, what do you say to those that say Sabbath was only for the Old Testament and not in the New? Mm, Thank you. Well, great question. Great, great question. Uh, There's many ways that we can answer, but um, uh, one way would be uh, to study out the the topic of the Sabbath. Now, the Sabbath is a part of the Ten Commandment laws, Mm -hmm. and so because it is the Fourth Commandment, um, uh, Paul actually says that, you know, actually, let me find the text for you. I believe it's in, let me find it on my computer. It's in Romans. Yes, let's go to Romans chapter 7, verse 7. 
Let's go there together. Romans chapter 7, verse 7. Romans 7, 7. Shall I read it? Mm -hmm. Yes, go right ahead. Romans chapter 7, verse 7. What, sh what shall we say then? Is the law sin? God forbid. Nay, I had not known sin, but by the law. For I had not known lust, except the law had said, Thou shalt not covet. Absolutely. So Paul is now using the, he's speaking of righteousness by faith, and he's speaking about uh, the law. And so here's the reality. No one can ever be saved by keeping the Ten Commandment law in their own power. Mm. No one can. We want to make that very plain and very clear. Nobody can be saved by keeping the law. Every single person from the Old Testament to the New Testament to today is only saved by the blood of Jesus mm. at Calvary if they accept him as their Savior. So what is Paul saying then? Paul is saying, you know, is the law sin, uh, but God forbid, nay. He said, I wouldn't, I wouldn't have known what sin is except by the no, Ten the law. Commandment law. Right. Exactly. And so he's saying uh, this is the only reason why I would know what sin is because of the law. Mm. And so he's saying that the reason why I know what sin is is because there's a law. Mm. So we would put it like this. Um, we have the law that points, that, that tells us what sin is. Mm -hmm. And because we cannot overcome sin, we need the grace of God. Mm. And so God gives us his grace to overcome sin. And what is sin? Sin is the breaking of the mm. law. And so who gives us that grace? Jesus. It is Jesus. Mm. So Jesus gives us that grace. So Jesus gives us the grace, the forgiveness, and the power of God to forgive us of our sins and to overcome our sins. And what is sin? Sin is the breaking of the law. Of the law. Mm. And the Sabbath commandment is a part of the law, number four. Now, some people say, well, that's been done away with. Mm. That's only for the Old Testament. Well, the Bible says in James chapter 2, verse 10, that if you break one of the commandments, you break them you all. Break them all. Mm. You don't have to break 10. You only have to break one, and you've broken them all. Mm -hmm. But now look at this. So let's say that the, the law, including the Sabbath, has been done away with. So we have now officially done away with the Old Testament. Uh, 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 the, sorry. We've done away with now the law, the Ten Commandments, mm -hmm. including the Sabbath. So we've done away with that. So because we've done away with the law, how then can we know what sin is? Mm. Do we then have a measure for sin? And the answer is no. So because we've done away with the law, then that means there's no more sin. Mm -hmm. Because Paul says, I wouldn't have known what, um, you know, what, what, what coveting was un until uh, the law made, it very, clear, made yeah. it very clear. So you do away with the law, and that means you do away with also sin. Mm -hmm. Sin doesn't exist anymore because there's no law. Right. And if sin doesn't exist anymore, do you still need the grace of God and the forgiveness of God and the power of God? And what's the answer? You don't need it anymore. Mm. Why? Because there's no more sin. Sin is non-existent. Sin that doesn't exist. So if there's no more law, then there's no more sin, then you don't need the grace to overcome that mm. sin. And if you don't need the grace to overcome that sin, then do you still need a Savior? Mm. 
And the answer is no. So what happens is when you do away with the law, including the Sabbath commandment, you are really saying away with the Savior. Mm -hmm. Because these things point to Jesus. Mm. They point to our need of Christ. Now, the Sabbath commandment, the Sabbath commandment was kept in uh, the Garden of Eden. The Sabbath commandment was kept by the Israelites in the wilderness. The Sabbath commandment was kept all throughout, uh, uh, all throughout, of course, the people of God in the Old Testament. The Sabbath commandment, of course, was kept by Jesus. Mm -hmm. Uh, the Sabbath commandment was kept by his disciples even after uh, Jesus ascended into heaven. Mm -hmm. And uh, Paul met with, um, met with believers on the Sabbath day and with Gentiles on the Sabbath day and preached the word to them. To them. And even John was in vision on the Lord's day mm. uh, in the book of Revelation, which is, of course, the Sabbath. And, so, and then uh, the Bible says that uh, in Isaiah 66 that when we get to heaven— we're going to be worshiping God from one Sabbath to another. Mm. And so here's the question that I would ask somebody is let's suppose that we're at the judgment and God turns to us and he says, why, why did you keep the Sabbath? Well, I would say, well, Lord, Adam and Eve kept it. Mm. Moses kept it. Abraham kept it. Uh, Jesus kept it. The disciples kept it. The last book of the Bible, Revelation, John says he was in vision on the Lord's mm. day. And so it's the number four commandment. And you said that your law is eternal. Mm -hmm. uh, Psalms 119, which is uh, a long chapter in the Bible. Uh, it's all about the Ten Commandments. And you've said not one jot nor one tittle shall be mm. removed. You know, you said that we were not to do away. You said we're not to even think that, the, the com that you came to do away with the commandments. Right. And so, and you've said that when we get to heaven, we're going to keep the, the Seventh-day Sabbath. Mm -hmm. And so I'll say, well, that's why I keep the Sabbath. And let's suppose that God turns to another person and he says, uh, tell me, um, what is your reason for keeping another day holy? And the question then would be, who in the Bible are you going to point to mm -hmm. as your example mm -hmm. for keeping another day holy other than the Sabbath? Mm -hmm. That's the question. Mm -hmm. Who are you going to point to as an yeah. example? What scripture reference are you going to look for from the Old Testament or the New that mm -hmm. tells you plain and clear that uh, you can keep any other day holy? Mm -hmm. And uh, the reality is it doesn't exist. Mm -hmm. And so that's just a shorter way of, of how I would go about it. But uh, it's very plain from the Old Testament to the New Testament that the Sabbath is still binding. Mm -hmm. And I think the confusion of, uh, is uh, some people have when it comes to the, uh, the Sabbath is that there were other Sabbaths or holy convocations that were feast days mm -hmm. or, or they were special holy days. I believe there was, I think, I believe there were seven of them or six mm -hmm. or seven of them. And they were also called Sabbaths. Mm -hmm. So they weren't the Sabbath, meaning part of the right. Ten Commandments, but they were Sabbaths. Meaning when that time came, you were to treat it like a holy day. Mm. And so these Sabbaths were celebrated alongside, as they came throughout the year, mm -hmm. alongside the seventh day Sabbath. Mm -hmm. And so uh, when Jesus uh, died at the cross, then those ceremonial Sabbaths or feast days, 
They were nailed to the cross mm. because they were a shadow of things to come. What's a shadow? A shadow is just a, a dark outline of the real, per- the actual person. And so these feast days and Sabbaths were pointing to Jesus mm. who was coming, but now Jesus was here. And we no longer needed to, to keep these mm-hmm. things because they were pointing to the coming Messiah. Mm. And so these Sabbaths, these ceremonial Sabbaths, were nailed to the cross and they were no longer to be kept. Mm. But the seventh-day Sabbath was always a part of the Ten Commandment right. law. The ceremonial Sabbath. It will always be. It will always be, exactly. In fact, when these ceremonial Sabbaths and ceremonies and were written down in, I believe, in Leviticus, uh, God had told Moses to write it down Mm -hmm. and to put it on the side of the Ark of the Covenant. Mm -hmm. So it was Moses, of course, that God had told to write it down. And it was put into the the, the holy box or the Mm -hmm. holy chest, or we call it the Ark of the Covenant. And inside the Ark of the Covenant were tablets of stone Mm -hmm. written by the finger of God. So it wasn't Moses who wrote that. It was God himself. Mm -hmm. So the the Ten Commandments were inside the holy box. And then the uh, the um, those ceremonies and Sabbaths and things like that were written separately and they were put outside on the Mm -hmm. side of the Ark. Mm -hmm. So one was meant to be eternal. And the other one was meant to be temporal. Right. So one was written by Moses, uh, of course, by God's instruction, placed outside of the ark. And the other was written by God himself with his own finger and placed inside the ark, mm. the ark of the covenant. And so, yes, uh, yes, those old, those Sabbaths that were ceremonial, yes, I would say, yes, the Bible does say that they were done away with at the cross. Mm. But the seventh day weekly Sabbath, part of the fourth commandment that Adam and Eve kept, Abraham kept, Moses kept, Jesus kept, and as the Bible says, we'll keep in heaven. That is the uh, the, the day that uh, we are called to honor and remember. Mm-hmm. Well, Thank just, you for that I just question. wanted right to add a te- um, share a text on that because I know Please. this is a topic uh, that can be a topic of debate. Mm-hmm. Um, and <clears throat> the text that came to my mind straight away was found is found in mm-hmm. Matthew five seventeen. Matthew five seventeen. Yes, Matthew five. Can you read that? Yes. Matthew five. It says, Think not that I am come to destroy the law or the prophets. I am not come to destroy, but to fulfill. Amen. And so this text is plain and simple, very Mm -hmm. clear as crystal. Amen. You know, God is telling us, I did not come to do do away with any of the laws. And in some versions of the Bible, the law is capitalized. That means there is only one Mm -hmm. law. It's not just any law. Just like you said, there were some Sabbaths that were temporary but the one that he is referring to is of course one the one that's found in the in, in the ten commandments absolutely and so this verse came to my mind god jesus himself did not come to do away with, do away with anything that mm-hmm. happened in the old testament but to fulfill to show like hey yes this is this is the sabbath this is the law this is what i would like for you guys to carry on um, i think there's another text that i think there is another text in the bible that says god it's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Nothing exactly. changes. Mm-hmm. And the law, as we, I think we've studied in the past before, is God's character. Absolutely. And yes. God does not change. Absolutely. And you know, what's amazing, if you read even further in verse uh, 18, it says, For verily I say unto you, till heaven and earth pass, one, 
jot or one tittle shall not shall in no wise pass mm. from the law till all be fulfilled. Mm. And then it says in verse 19, Whosoever therefore shall break one of these least commandments and shall teach men so, he shall be called the least in the kingdom of heaven. Mm. But whosoever shall do and teach them, the same shall be called great in the kingdom of heaven. Mm. It's incredible because in verse uh, 17, Jesus says, think not. So he says, don't even think it. (laughs) And so if you're not supposed to even think it, Mm. then don't even even say it. it. Yeah, Yeah. don't even do do it. it. And if you're not supposed to even think it, say it, and do it, then don't teach other people Mm. uh, to think it, say it, and do it. And in fact, he says uh, in verse 19, as we read, uh, it says, Whosoever therefore shall break one, only one, of the least of these commandments, only one, just break one of the least, and one, of course, could be the fourth. Mm -hmm. If you break one and shall teach men to break that one, you shall be called the least in Mm -hmm. the kingdom of heaven. And you may say, does that mean that we're in heaven and there's some kind of a class or hierarchy for those who break the law and those who don't break the law? And the answer is no. Mm. What does Jesus mean? It means that when, you, when you're teaching people to break the law, those in heaven don't look very well at, mm. uh, on you. Mm-hmm. They're, saying, they're thinking you're not doing it right. But then when you teach people to obey and honor the law and live it by the power of God, Heaven says, yes, mm-hmm. you're doing very well. They think very well of you. So they speak highly of you. That's what that means. Mm-hmm. And so, yes, that's perfect. And so one, uh, th- those are just some, some ways, of course, that, to, to show that um, the Sabbath is binding. And, um, you know, God um, says, remember. And very interesting, the, the, the one text that begins with the word remember mm. is the one that some people say we should forget yeah. and get rid of. Uh, it is safer, dear friend, to to follow what God has said, Amen. to follow what he said. Okay, We just have a few minutes left. I believe we only about four minutes left on our show. Uh, thank you so much for joining us. We, maybe we have time for one more question. Sure. And we could probably close with that. All right. A listener asks, can you help me understand the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit? Can you help me understand? Well, that's going to take a lot of time. <laughs> that's going to take a lot of more time than we have today. What we'll do is, you know, next time we were, we'll actually cover that. I don't want to leave you very quickly, but um, let's, I'll say it in short. Um, in the Bible, uh, the Bible speaks of, of God, mm-hmm. and it mentions a word three times, I believe three times, and it's called Godhead. Godhead. Now, Godhead, of course, uh, is composed of of the Father, of the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Mm. And uh, each of them is God, uh, but they are th- they are one. Now, some people use the phrase Trinity. Now, the word Trinity we don't uh, find in the Bible, but Trinity simply means three. In, in in unity, rather. Three right. working together as one. So you have three co-eternal persons uh, who make up the Godhead or who are God. And, if, and if, as you go throughout the Old Testament and the New Testament, you will find uh, in many cases, in several cases, how uh, they are each uh, a part of the Godhead. Mm. Now, some people think that maybe Jesus is is a lesser God, but no, Jesus is also God. Uh, or the Holy Spirit is, um, you know, we sometimes don't know much about him. 
is he a force or an essence or mm-hmm. is he some kind of a electricity? And the answer says in the book of Acts chapter 5, uh, it's a person. Yeah. It uses the masculine word he. It says he thinks. It uh, describes him as a god. When Annas and Sapphira uh, lied to, mm. to Peter, uh, Peter says, you've lied to the Holy Spirit. You've not lied unto men, mm-hmm. but unto God. So describing him as uh, as God. And so there are many verses uh, that we can go throughout today and uh, uh, to describe the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. I think what we'll do is we'll take this question for next time. Sure. And then next time, we're going to give you a longer, um, in-depth. Uh, longer in-depth a set of verses for you to study it out. It's a great question. And by God's grace, we'll be able to do that uh, the next time we meet. Okay? Uh, do we have room for one more question? That's a great question. I'm so, I don't want to just try to answer it until okay. it cut our time. So we'll... Sure. Let's we'll go be, to this question. Mm-hmm. Can God forgive me for calling people bad names and saying hurtful words? Oh, that's a, a beautiful question. Can God forgive me for uh, hurting people? For calling people names and saying hurtful words. Thank you. And the answer is yes. God can forgive. He can forgive. He can forgive. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Bible says in 1 John 1, 9, If we confess our sins, He's He is faithful, faithful and, and just, just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So, dear friend, yes, He can forgive your sin. Luke 19, 10, 10 Jesus says, For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. Mm. When we make mistakes, uh, when we fall, and even when we say the wrong thing, and even when we hurt other people with our words, uh, all hope is not lost. Uh, there was hope for David when he fell, when he committed murder. There was hope for Peter when he was cursing. Mm-hmm. And he says, I don't know Jesus. I don't know him. There's hope for them. There's hope for you and for me today. Amen. So the answer is yes, absolutely. There is hope, and you can be forgiven. It is not uh, the unforgivable sin. Mm-hmm. Oh, praise God. I wanted to share a text that's found in John six thirty-seven, and I love this text. Um, at the end of this text, so Jesus says, All that the Father giveth me shall come to me, and him that comes to me I will in no wise cast, cast out. out. And Amen. that's a beautiful promise. No matter where you are, where you've been, God says, come to me and I will never turn away Amen. from you. And so we can claim that promise as we think on these things. You know, whoever this caller is, we appreciate your question. You know, Jesus promises as you go, come to him, he will be there, arms wide open every single time. And Amen. that's just so beautiful. And he says, I will never cast you out. Never. And God will always keep his promises. Amen. Amen. Well, thank you. Why don't you close with prayer for us as yes, we say please, goodbye. I would love to. Our God in heaven, we thank you so much for this opportunity to be able to share. And Lord, we thank you for the questions that came in. We thank you for the presence of your Holy Spirit to guide us as we dove into your truth today. Be with us now as we go from here. Be with our listeners. May we bless each and every one. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. God bless everyone. God this bless is Pastor Masik. And Josephine. Saying good night. And God See bless you. See you next you. week. See you next week. Yes. Bye. Thanks for joining us for another edition of Straight from the Bible. 
If you missed out on your question and would like to have it aired next time, you can also email us anytime at Bible at joyfromradio.net. Submit them at online at joyfromradio.net or message us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash joyfromradio. Join us again next time for another edition of Straight from the Bible. Until then, may God bless you as you study His Holy Word, the Bible.